Rob, I have to continue our conversation about fast food because I'm living a whole new life here in North Carolina in America. Uh-huh. A whole new set of fast food, you know, worlds, new avenues have opened up to me. And something I had something that we've talked about in the past. Last Friday, I guess it was. I had a fried Oreo. And it's really good. A fried Oreo. Yeah, I think we've talked about it. We've definitely talked about deep fried Twinkies before, I know. Mm -hmm. This is an Oreo, and they deep fry them. And what happens to an Oreo when it's deep fried is they kind of, they get really soft and melted. So it really is, and they have a coating on them, of course. So what it, and then they put powdered sugar on the outside. So So what it's really kind of like is a donut with molten chocolate in the middle. Hmm. That she sounds really good. Yeah, which is quite good. But it's all it's very filling. I will guarantee you that it's not good for you. And, oh, of course. And uh, Jennifer thought she was buying one. It turns out she bought six. Right. Uh, and fortunately, there were three of us, but I had two, which was, one, <laughs> was two more than I really should have had, at least one more than I should have had. But there was that. So that was tasty. And then uh, the same stand was selling something called a banana pudding taco. And I have to say, I did not try that. Uh, but banana, okay. pudding, banana pudding is a very southern dessert, really. You know, it's, it's usually like a vanilla type custard pudding uh, with bananas chopped up in it. And these vanilla cookies as kind of a crust, form a crust in it or suspended in it. And I guess they were, I don't think they were probably putting it in a regular proper, you know, corn tortilla taco. My guess is what they were doing was they were using something like a waffle cone for ice Uh cream and shaped like a taco and calling it a taco. At least I hope that's what was the case. Something that's more sweet. I've actually had, I've had a dessert like that. You Um, have? I I don't remember. It, it, It wasn't banana pudding, but I've definitely had some kind of waffle type thing that was shaped like that so it was like you know so they could make it go oh look it's a breakfast you know like a banana taco or whatever like right so that's definitely a thing that exists presumably it's not even that difficult to make something like that anyway interesting interesting well because i did see an ice cream taco recently also not and i'm not talking about the choco taco which was in the news three or four weeks ago as being as being mm-hmm. uh, canceled and then coming back, and it turned out to be a social media stunt, as most of these things do. I was at an ice a local. I, I discovered an ice cream shop out in the country that uh, serves their ice cream in. They one of the options is in a taco, which definitely there is a waffle cone. So that's what gave me the idea. Sure. Yeah. I mean that's it's fine. I think it's like it's uh, it's good to have different delivery methods for your ice cream. Um, I mean I'm definitely a big fan of just spoon straight into a tub, but you know we yeah. each to their own. I, I'm partial to the cup only because it's less messy. You know, especially on a hot summer day, I think a taco could be a disaster on a really hot day. Yeah, even more so than a cone dripping down the bottom. Now you got it coming out both ends. You know, I I'm not not so sure that's a great idea. But it, it's original. It's different. If you want to be a little different with your ice cream, I would definitely go for that that option. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it sounds, sounds like you've uh, you're doing a nice bit of exploring to find some 
quantum leap for it. Yes, as if if what you mean by exploring is eating my way across the south, yes, that is what I'm working on. I mean, that's that's the dream. That's <laughs> it really the... <laughs> is the dream. You move somewhere new, it's like it's a whole new world of junk food, and yeah, right, you just sort of <laughs> plowing through it, one restaurant at a time. One food... You just move, move across the entire country. By the time you get to the end, you're like three times the size you were when you started. Exactly. Well, you know, food trucks are much bigger here than they were back in Illinois too. They were highly regu- highly regulated in Illinois. And so they were never like they were never a big deal in downtown Chicago because primarily because they weren't allowed to pull up within a certain distance of a restaurant just to kind of right. that was like a regulation to protect the restaurants. And mm-hmm. so they never became a big deal in the downtown area at least. And and they never really were caught never really caught out on in a Never really caught on in the suburbs where I was, but down here, like a lot of bars will have, uh, a lot of pubs will have, you know, a food truck. They don't have food service, but they'll have different food trucks come every Friday and Saturday, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, there's a few, um, there's a few sort of local breweries that do that around here where they, mm-hmm. you know, they've got their brewery in a warehouse or wherever, right? And then they have like a pizza truck or you know, some burgers, whatever, and they just have those and that's how they handle the food. And like you say, they don't actually have their own food service because they don't need to. They can just get local, you know, food trucks in right? For, you know, right. the days that are actually busy or whatever. Yeah, that's big here too because there are a lot of breweries in North Carolina, a lot more than back in Illinois. Well, that's enough for uh, Unhealthy Food Corner. We should move mm-hmm. on and maybe talk about uh, technology and the and the betas, which I'm running all the betas, Rob. I'm, you know, I'm up, I'm up there doing all these betas. I am running none of them because um, I'm not brave enough. I've even got and... Watch OS Nine going. Oh my! Oh boy! Now you're really going for it. No, because what tends to happen, and I'm sure we've spoken about this. I'm imagining every year since we've done this podcast, I tend to get tempted. You know, I see the new features like this year. It'd be you know the lock screen stuff, right. and I see it, and I install it, and then like some really important app is broken like my bank mm-hmm. or you know because the my primary bank i use is an app only bank so it's kind of important that that works um and i will install it and then i will panic like an hour later and i'm like oh i can't wait i can't wait for the next version and i end up just restoring it again so i'm like oh i've used it for an hour and that's it well i have heard from a couple of people in the uk that their bank apps didn't work i don't know which apps they were but i know that that's happened to some people yeah, I, I know specifically that uh, Monzo is the bank I use. That does actually work on the beaters this year, um, okay. which did kind of tempt me. But then this was like a, a week or so ago, and I thought, you know what, I can just wait like another, I can only assume it's going to be about another four weeks or so. Right, at this um, point, it's pretty close. Mm-hmm, exactly, like I can wait another three, four weeks and just install it then, and at least I kind of know that in theory, everything should work. I mean, there's still going to be bugs and stuff, but at least the primary apps that I use should be working. Yeah, we're getting to a point now in the cycle of the betas where I am starting to get a little concerned about the bugs. I I try to be really objective about bugs in the sense that I don't really expect, I don't expect there not to be bugs. And I don't expect the software to be in very good shape at the beginning of a beta period. But I do expect to see it and be able to feel it tightening up towards the end. And I'm not sure. And we're we're definitely not there yet. It's um, I 
you know, now that there's weekly betas, I wouldn't be surprised within the next week or two, it really starts tightening up and getting good. If it doesn't, then I'll truly be concerned. I haven't really, you know, I've got my eye on it closely now, but I, I haven't really raised what I would like a warning light that I'm concerned that it's going to be a real problem. You know, none of the stuff I've really run into has been terrible. I mean, probably the worst thing, a couple of, well, let's see, what are the worst things right now? The share sheet is completely broken for me some of the time where I hit the share button and there's just nothing in the share sheet. And if I tap around in a few apps and then go back, I can usually get it working again. The share sheet is like notoriously a problem area in every single beta cycle. And I don't know know why, but it's pretty broken still. Um, Test flight on the Mac won't download or update apps, period. And that is not a problem at the moment, but that's going to be a big problem for what I do for a living very soon. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, because <laughs> I can, I literally can't get the apps to do. To, I can't get the apps to download at all, um, and so I have betas expiring of apps that I'm testing. And unless they fix that relatively quickly, there's just apps I'm not going to be able to test very well. Fortunately, I still have a laptop on Monterey though. Yeah, remind me again. Did I can't remember if this was a rumor or if Apple confirmed it. Did they, have they delayed iPad OS release, or is that was that just a rumor? I can't remember that. Well, it's it's a rumor reported by Mark Gurman. Like Mark Gurman has sources that say that it's going to get kicked a month, and if that's the case, you know Federico will do a split review, iOS and then iPad OS. That seems likely to me because. You know, one of the big features, probably the biggest feature for the iPad and really the Mac for that po- matter is Stage Manager. And mm-hmm. Stage Manager is actually quite stable on the Mac, but it's not so great on the iPad. I have had, I think, fewer problems than Federico, although that may be in part because he just works on the iPad more than I do and has noticed it more. But for instance, the external monitor support is very shaky and doesn't work very well. Uh, still and there's a lot of other little ui bugs and other things that are that are problematic that's probably on the ipad the biggest problem is probably stage manager on the mac there's really nothing that's really bad other than you know like test flight is a a a particular personal one for me and then on the iphone the share sheet has been really kind of troublesome but beyond that it's been you know there's a lot of little things here and there but nothing nothing huge uh, but I do feel like a lot of the the many little things haven't been going away as fast as I kind of expected they would be. It's, yeah, you know, it's one. It's a weird balance. Like when you're dealing with this stuff and reviewing, it, it's like I constantly see you know people on Twitter. Oh, this is an outrage! You know these these betas are so <laughs> terrible. You know the world is collapsing, and Apple doesn't care about care about software design anymore, and. And it just makes me tired because one of the things that I always like to think of myself as is a, an optimistic reviewer. And sometimes being an optimist in life makes you, people think that you are um, a mouthpiece for Apple or, you know, a fanboy or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think that I'm that. But I also am not going to like ding them during the beta period for problems that are unless they're like incredibly egregious and don't look like they're going to get solved. So I think people just need to like take a deep breath. I think it's I think one of the things right now that bothers me is seeing 
all the angst about Swift UI and like on the one side there's the people who are like Swift UI is an abomination. On the other side there are the people who are like, well, it's not Swift UI, it's just developers building bad apps. And it's mm-hmm. like well, you know, the truth is actually a lot more complicated and they're both probably right. And to a degree, you know, Swift UI is still immature and can't do everything that some people would want it to do. And since the beginning of time, it's been possible to build a really bad app on with any framework. You don't need to be... Oh, of course. Right? It's like, I, I, th- I feel like... And this is an interesting thought I had the other day. I'll run by you, Rob. Uh-huh. Is that with iOS, we had iOS... When iOS 7 came along, we went from this heavily skeuomorphic design that everybody was, at the time, really into... And they just threw it out and went 100% with this flat design. And it had a lot of problems, granted. But I also feel like it was good in the long run for iOS in the sense that iOS didn't get like tied to this notion that there was only one way to make a good iOS app, which was the skeuomorphic design. Whereas I do feel like we're still to a degree stuck in this notion and there's this nostalgia for 90s era delicious library style app, <laughs> app right the delicious generation of design with the you know the real chunky 3d look and po- very polished and that there's a, and and i don't mean to really denigrate good mac app design because there's been a lot of good maps over the years a lot of good mac apps over the years and there still are but i also feel like there's an awful lot of people who hold back from change for the sake of holding back on change and that there's there are good i think there are good reasons that for the mac to evolve right now and i think that there can be changes to the design language that even though they're different being different doesn't make them bad Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it, yeah, I, one thought I've had about sort of all of this because obviously this sort of starts, you know, WWDC and everybody installs the the betas on, you know, even you know watches and and the Mac and stuff like that. And it it's almost it's become this thing where the the opinions that I'm seeing, whether they're good or bad, about you know whatever it is, whatever these changes are, whether it's Stage Manager or a lock screen or whatever. Most of the most of the people I'm hearing it from, they're not developers. Like it's become, it's become like a yearly thing where it's almost like everybody is on like a year cycle that starts at WWDC and not in September when right. You know, the normal, the average person who has an iPhone and will just upgrade and be like, oh, the lock screen's different, and they will think nothing else. You know, they or they'll install you know the Mac update and they'll go, oh settings has changed you <laughs> right, know, it, look, right. it looks different whether that's good or bad like I, I you know i haven't used any of them i haven't really seen this settings change beyond sort of seeing that the ui's change but like it's as if everybody's on this offset cycle where we have to spend two months like talking about all the things and then by the time it gets to your average person who doesn't even know that there's been a beta cycle for the last two months they're just like oh okay yeah everything kind of works and it's it's mostly fine right right well i think there are a couple of different things going on there what one is i think that there are a lot of people who run betas who really shouldn't because i do think you have to have a high tolerance for hassles and, mm-hmm. and issues and i do i have i mean 
I literally run a beta probably 300 days of the year. So yeah, it's just the normal state for me. But I also try to remind myself that it's not the normal state. The normal state is when the public release drops and then you can, then I think it's fair to criticize any shortcomings. Um, But I do think that there are people who get on the betas at, at WWC and expect it just to work like it's going to in the fall. And that's, I don't think that that's a, a fair approach. The system settings that you mentioned is a very good example of all of this because there are spots in the system settings where the UI is fundamentally broken and a mess. Mm-hmm. And I think that those are valid criticisms to be leveled at it. I think it's still too early to really be beating the drums hard on it because I think that there are UI changes that they're not fundamental to the way the system settings work. They still work the way they normally did. And most of this stuff are UI glitches that need to be ironed out. And I think that there's still time for them to be ironed out. But there's also the criticism that it shouldn't have changed in the first place, which I think is wrong because I don't think system preferences was particularly good to begin with. And two, I think there's a lot of value in there being some familiarity between the way settings works on a Mac and the way settings works on an iPad or an iPhone. Because the vast majority of people who are buying themselves Macs these days probably had an iPhone or an iPad before they ever had a Mac. And right. And so I feel like and this is just a this is a cultural community thing where a lot of people who are really into Apple have been that way for a very long time. And if you've been that way for a very long time, you probably started using Apple products before the iPhone existed. And as a result, the iPhone is the add-on. You know, the iPhone was the little buddy to your Mac in the early days, <laughs> right? It, it had to be tethered to get even its get music and apps on it. Right. And that's not true anymore. It's its, its own thing, and it, it really eclipses every other product that the company makes. And so there's a, there's a lot of reasons why those two things should behave. Not necessarily – they shouldn't necessarily do the same things, but – it shouldn't you shouldn't have to learn a whole new set of ways to do things just to move from one to the other so i think that there are good reasons for it to change but at the same time it's um it is kind of broken at the moment and this is where like twitter is just the worst because twitter just doesn't allow for that nuance between yes you know, there's there's reasons for this to change but there are also problems you, i mean you can't have any kind of nuanced discussion about anything on Twitter. And it's where a lot of this, I think you see a lot of this coming from. Oh yeah, definitely. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I know that I was one of these people, not one of these people, but like I would run the beaters every year. You know, I'm not a developer. Um, you know, I, I used to do the thing where you'd like, people would sell you like their slots in the developer program before it was sort of <laughs> yeah, easier right. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, and I would make a mess of my phone. I'd lose contacts and all of that kind of stuff. And you know, I, I've got to the point where I just don't care anymore. I'm just like, I'll just wait till September and install it. But um, yeah, it's, it's just a bit exhausting seeing a lot of criticism for something that, that isn't finished. And it, it, in reality, you know, yeah, settings will change. But do you know what? Things are going to change. Like, it, like you say, if there's if there's bugs and there's UI things and things that are legitimately broken. Okay, yeah, fine. That's like legitimate criticism, but right. Maybe everyone just chill out a little bit. 
Yeah, like, I, I just think it so gets chill yeah, out. and I think it just gets worse with the Mac only because I think that there's more resistance to change on the Mac, and I, I recognize that about myself that I I actually like it when things change. I don't mm-hmm. I don't like them to stay the same, <laughs> and I know that that's unusual because I've talked to many people who have told me that it 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 actually stresses them out to hear how often like Federico and I change email clients or task managers because they can't mm-hmm. imagine what it's like hopping from one system to another multiple times a year. And I kind of get that, but I mean, you know, it's just kind of our thing. Um, and it takes, I guess, a unique personality to be okay with that. <laughs> but Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I try to be sympathetic to people resisting change. And I don't think change for no good reason is a good idea either. But I do, th- I do like that, especially on the Mac, that it's evolving now because I really do think it was stuck in the mud, especially, you know, I don't know, the Latin. Until, until the M1s really came along and Mac OS started moving along with it and, and evolving, the Mac was in a really bad spot a few years ago. And now it's probably the most exciting platform we've got, really, if you think about it. I mean, the the iPhone, yeah, we'll get a better camera this fall. (laughs) The size might be a little different. (laughs) The colors might be a little different. But we're not going to get it. You know, it's pretty mature, too, now. So it's not going to change radically probably this year. The same really goes for the iPad to a large extent as well. So I I feel like the, the Mac is where a lot of the exciting stuff is happening now. And so hopefully... I don't know. That'll continue. I'm I'm sorely tempted by the iPad, the uh, the MacBook Air, Rob. I really want one. The new oh, one too. I know it's so nice. I want one. I really. I mean, what do I need one for? Like my computer is still fine. I have to keep reminding myself I do not need a new computer. Right. Right. Well, and for me, the thing is that I have the M1 Air, and it and it's it's really good for ninety percent of things. I just know that there's enough more polish on the M2 that it would make. A meaningful difference because it's because I could get one with more memory and it has a bigger, brighter screen. Those are the two things primarily. Um, because I think the memory I do run into, I do bump into the memory once in a while on 16 gigs, but uh, I feel like 24 might be actually ideal for me. I but right, I, yeah, but I don't know, I don't know, and I, I'm not willing to just like buy a new mac every year so i just bought a mac studio not that long ago i don't really need to be in the market for yet another expensive computer because what i'm talking about is the high-end version of the macbook air not the not the entry-level one right yeah it's it's certainly that would be an expensive hobby um which you know is expensive (laughs) enough as it is um without without buying a new mac every year so Yes, yes I was un- I unfortunately did not get a review unit of the M- M2 MacBook Air. I was kind of hoping for one, but uh, didn't work out this year. Which is wow, yeah. that's right. Didn't work out. Didn't work <laughs> out. So maybe maybe next time around, maybe the uh, maybe the I'll get some cool uh, Apple glasses to be walking around in next winter. Oh, that's the don't. Sorry, that's not <laughs> that's not happening. I'll take a picture of me in the shower wearing them in the shower, like Robert Scoble. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. That was a good throwback. That's uh... <laughs> he single-handedly destroyed Google Glass. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Wow. Um, I think we should end it on the that note. <laughs> that seems like a good place to end. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll talk to you later, Rob. Speak to you soon.